I V M. Welcome to All Things Policy, a daily podcast by the Takshashila Institution. We are a bunch of policy nerds based in Bengaluru, and we like bringing fresh perspectives to Indian affairs and Indian perspectives to global affairs. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and join us for today's chat. Welcome everyone to another episode of All Things Policy. I am Pranay. I head the research at Takshashila Institution, and I have with me Anupam, who is our resident economist. And Nitin, Nitin, what do you do? I'm a fake economist <laughs> and a lapsed electrical engineer. <laughs> okay, so that's a good introduction. Okay, so let's get started with this. Actually, uh, just a few days ago, on 21st September, there was this statement by the railway board chairman, and he said that there will be 150 private trains in India to start with. It's going to happen only in 2023, etc. But the bidding process should start soon. And the idea was that uh, they are going to basically increase. Uh, develop a uh, dedicated freight corridor in some areas and that dedicated freight corridor will open up space for us to run newer trains and that's where they say that private players can come in operate new trains bring in new technologies etc so let's have a conversation on this itself uh, there's been a lot of arguments especially people saying why should privatization of trains be done uh, and isn't this government's responsibility to Uh, run trains right so let's talk about that so first is of it, all yeah i think we'll start with that okay is it the government responsibility to Isn't run it? trains it is not why not why if you, i mean if you look at government intervention in markets as only a response to either uh, market failures or the most important uh, role of the government which is securing private property rights mm. Mm. what This, about natural monopolies yes. the natural monopoly doesn't need to be with the government can you tell what is a natural monopoly first a uh, natural is? monopoly is uh, any industry where um, it makes sense to only operate at such a large scale hmm. that it and there are network effects etc that it makes sense only for one of the players to be there your typical example is your electric company hmm. uh, distribution uh, start with production of electricity Uh, it's such a large project, long-term investment, etc. That it, a lot of private players might not have the required capital or that long-term vision to, in fact, uh, come in, uh, invest in that whole thing. That is where it justifies. I mean, the justification is given that government uh, can operate in that. So, in the in railways, there's a na- natural monopoly. The railway tracks themselves are a na- natural monopoly, right? You can't have five. people having their own five tracks that's not possible right you can i don't see why not i mean once let's say the initial kind of infrastructure is there in india right now newer tracks as long as they are there to the same five standard five tracks in parallel is a yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, absurd sort of, thing yeah. but newer you could have uh, five companies operating five set of tracks mm. that, uh, which which go to different places right so mm. place a to b will be one set of tracks Uh, place uh, A to Z will be another company with another set of tracks. So, you could have multiple uh, track operators, uh, but having the same, you know, more than two pairs of tracks, uh, yeah, sets of tracks sense. in parallel. I think it's mm. first of all, you don't have the kind of space, but also it looks kind of. Uh, ridiculous right so in a particular area it is the tracks themselves can be classified as a natural monopoly yeah. right so yeah. you will have fewer yeah players. you could say that the railway network 
has characteristics of a natural monopoly. I mean, whether it's a natural, I just brought in natural monopoly just to tease Anupam a bit, right? But uh, you could de- determine it's a natural monopoly, or you could also determine, like as we said, it could be multiple uh, track operators operating it. So a lot of it in the end, end boils down to your determination. your assessment of whether it's a natural monopoly or not and it can always be broken down i mean electricity was forever thought of as a natural monopoly but you can break that down yeah, so no, exactly that's generation of electricity can be i mean that's why when monopoly. you said electricity yeah. my hackles went up because now you could have production which is separate competitively provided yes. in fact uh, with smart grids or uh, you know subscribers can actually provide you uh, generate electricity and provide it to you yeah. but the the distribution trunk distribution system seems to be a monopoly yeah, right and true. and the end distribution uh, to the end user that's also private i mean you could actually you say you can privatize it you yeah. could have two sets of wires wiring providers who br- bring electricity to you uh, it used to be argued that this will be prohibitively expensive and and so on but if there are uh, players willing to take business risks then it's fine but the critical factor in all of this is pricing yeah if you're going to price it in a way that there will be return on investment in then in other words if there is going to be a rational pricing structure competition and market forces etc can take over but if you're going to build something where you're going to sell it below cost for some uh, social purpose or a national purpose or whatever then no one's going to build infrastructure to lose money every year right so In that case, you'll have to think of whether it has to be a monopoly, in which case government provides it and so on. Yeah. So two things, important things. One, yeah, and both are kind of related. One is the pricing aspect of it, which is a direct thing. So uh, if the government says, yeah, private players are welcome to operate here, but you can't charge more than this, it's uh, dead on arrival. Uh, again, you won't get any bids in the first place. But two, you let's say the government says, okay, you can fix whatever price you want, but we will have one say in it. and we'll fix the lowest price below cost etc right then you're going to drive out the competition in any case so that market dynamics is also quite important i think in this case we have to uh, separate out conceptually two different things one is the privatization of the railways which seems to be like a massive project which no one is even going to touch right this is not the talk of privatizing indian railways which is currently a government department i think this is the idea of introducing private players in railway services within the indian railway system in the in a way it won't be any different from indian railways licensing or outsourcing some of its services to a private player which to say has, hey you go run run these trains which it already has to some extent i mean irctc ha, IRC. for example is yeah. is a one aspect Correct. of the entire or railway catering, system or catering catering. Or, that's a different example because irctc is run by the government itself it's a corporate entity yeah. which has its own yeah, balance yeah. sheet yeah. and all Maybe that but it's within look the at it like those uh, uh, railway bookstores and all that right yeah. the chaiwalas on the on the rail they are all private players which which provide uh, services to a railway passenger so i think this is how we are going to see this that you will have a set of of privately operated trains which will provide railway services on the railway infrastructure yeah now to what extent this uh, private service will include I, i i don't know we don't know yet but i think it's good to take a step back and say what is it that the government should be looking yeah. at right mm-hmm. i think the first thing is to get the governance structure right how are you going to govern this private players operating into the system right if you were to say that look everything else is going to be the same except that the people who are owning the train and providing the railway are going to be private sector guys as opposed to the indian railways guys you are not going to get anything substantially different right you might get people in a different color of uniform and a different color of cap but the services the train everything is going to be the same right so just changing ownership of a particular railway route is not going to make that difference so you have to think much more uh, uh, deeper than that i think first thing to realize in this is that 
ownership is not as important as competition and contestability. So if you were to say that here, uh, Pranay, you run this train between Bombay and Delhi and uh, you're the only guy who's going to run this train. So you're not likely to run this any different from Indian Railways because you have a monopoly on that route. And whatever you do, you're still going to be able to run that route for the next five years, 10 years, whatever your your term is. But if I were to say that, look, uh, uh, on the Delhi-Bombay route, there are going to be 10 trains a day and five will be run by Pranay and five will be run by Anupam at alternate, uh, you know, at alternate times. And you all can fight for the same business, right? So then there's a possibility that the customers will gravitate towards Pranay strain or Anupam strain, depending on which strain is, you know, gets there on time, is safer and provides lower cost facilities, etc. And the two of you will be competing with each other to in order to provide the best service. So I think that is the way to think about this. In fact, I would even do a thought experiment or maybe this is a, not a thought experiment. Uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, a natural experiment. A natural experiment. Uh, you could do hmm. a natural experiment and say on every route, hmm. there'll be three set of trains that will run. Right? One run by Indian Railways, one run by Pranay and Company, one run by Anupam and Company. So there'll be three players, one of which will be Indian Railways. Right? Let railways compete with the two other private players and let the co- consumers choose which train they want to take. So if you want to take the 10 o'clock train, it's a railway, Indian railway train. If it's a 11 o'clock train, it's a Anupam train. And if it's a 12 o'clock train, I'll, it's a Pranay train. Of course, the timing does matter. But if you can create a fair uh, timetable where everybody has a good chance to compete, I think you can improve Indian railways' performance itself through this competition. Right. So competition and contestability is extremely important. Now, from my telecoms regulatory experience, it becomes very tricky, right? Let's say you're in a situation where I just told you that Indian Railways is one of the players yeah. and the two other players are Pranay and uh, Anupam. Now, Indian Railways also owns the tracks. Indian Railways employees are also the guys in the regulatory department, in They're the safety the department yeah. and they all that. They set the rules. They, they set yeah. the rules. So, what will happen is that uh, you will have... Uh, the government-owned operator, the incumbent, which will get favorable treatment and the private guys will get unfavorable treatment, right? So it's important that the governance structure is such that it ensures that interconnects, uh, you know, uh, all access points, critical infrastructure is all available to all players in a fair and non-discriminatory manner. But let's not forget on this point is the pricing aspect of it. Now, there are two interesting dynamics according to me that play out. One the Indian Railways could bring along with it the heft of Government of India and its finances, which means it can heavily continue to subsidize. Which people might argue is their public function because you want to provide low-cost travel for the poor people across the country. So that's fine. So one of the two things, either that can have some kind of impact on competition itself, that it'll actually drive out competition. But this is my opinion, I mean, or my analysis is that given the kind of demand that railways is had and the fact that you can't get a seat on it uh, I think people will then gravitate towards it's okay that you can pay a higher fee and you can get on the private yeah, airlines and, yeah. not that so, so you can have that pricing discrimination but I just going to see there is nothing to stop Indian railways from running a low cost uh, uh, very f- no frills heavily subsidized transportation for poor people and, you know, uh, for poor, poor, literally, right? You're and even for places which are not connected well, because right. you will... Re- no, no, let's talk about the same line, right? Yeah. Let's say we talk about uh, Delhi to Bombay, 
okay that delhi to mumbai as your as your route now there is nothing to stop the government in fact i think there is a case for the government to they provide must, uh, yeah. low cost uh, train service to get the masses across from point a to uh, delhi to mumbai and back right but there is nothing to stop uh, pranay from running a train for the uh, yapi crowd which needs wifi which has uh, you know which yeah. has uh, pizza which has high quality uh, services and all of that they are willing to pay right and uh, anupam can run another one for i don't know for uh, pilgrims or senior citizens or whatever so you can specialize in any of these these things that's that's fine absolutely so yeah. each each operator can target a different sector section of the market provide a different type of service and i think service differentiation in this makes sense right of course it's about whether that particular operator will have a risk reward ratio right but if it's up to the operator to provide it then why should anybody care i think conceptually one more point that i want to bring is from this book banishing bureaucracy right which talks about separation of two main roles steering and rowing steering basically is about taking you from point a to point b it determines where you reach and rowing is how do you get from point a to point b so in this section when we talk about privatization no one is talking about getting rid of the steering functions from the government so government will still be a regulator government will even be probably a player uh, and uh, policy will be set by the government etc but it's only in the services one of the rowing roles where there can be more players in addition to a pr- government player correct and and where they contest with each other yeah. right contest and compete right. see the steering role is important right in this case the railway board if you if the railway board now becomes the regulator of this and a it has to ensure that the standards are the same right everybody has the same width of track and same yeah. kind of electricity and all of that so that you don't uh, run into uh, issues there right you have to ensure that safety standards are uh, set and and uh, monitored and audited and so forth right so the improving safety uh, is important maybe punctuality standards also <laughs> need to grow up right because i think right now there are no punctuality standards so if these these can be imposed right as a as the first level of things the second thing which the regulator will have to do is to be very hard on ensuring that fair play happens that the old guard the old system the empire does not strike back against these new new newcomers because as a newcomer in a place i mean just imagine you are running a new train in a in a railway system you are up against 4 million people who are all you know part of the railway system and you are this this new company which wants to run track you might encounter hostility you might encounter uh, unhappiness you might encounter strikes you know you might un- encounter at that level and at an organizational level you might find the public railways operator playing dirty with you right for yeah. fear uncertainty doubt yeah. that that's so then there's always the incumbents in the telecom world there used to be three d's i think it was delay deter uh damage I, i don't know what it was so the mm-hmm. incumbents will always do these these things so the regulator will have to main, ensure that this is successful so first thing then to do is remove the regulator from the current incumbents absolutely you, you can't have a railway the, board who is part of the railway, railway operator right so you got to f- completely separate the two and then yeah then you can hope for at least such uh, but under rate. the current circumstances i don't think that will happen because if you see that the railways as outsourcing some of their lines to private operators i don't think the railway board will be necessarily a, uh, split from the operator you'll just yeah. say that look i am indian railways i'm just letting you operate one route yeah so uh, the no, way they at least in the statement which the railway board chairman makes he does say that there is a need for a separate regulator no, oh, that's yeah. that's actually i think it's for the first time i'm seeing something which i would consider as a path to reform 
right? Uh, when you are now looking at introducing uh, private operators into a state-owned system to improve uh, services, improve quality, improve pricing and all of that, that is the beginning of reform. Yeah. Something as complicated as railways, I think going out and saying we're going to privatize railways is not going to happen quickly. But if you are willing to say that, look, we will try and bring in private capital, private technology, private enthusiasm, entrepreneurship in various aspects of the railway system, I think that's good enough. We yeah. don't need a complete privatization. Another thing that really impressed me was that they've, again, stated it quite upfront, saying that uh, the private players who will operate has the full right and authority to fix prices themselves. Fix prices or set uh, not prices. Not set prices. <laughs> they've said actually fix prices because that's probably how I don't think we should talk about price fixing because that's <laughs> the other thing which can happen, right? Because let's say you have three operators, right? Or two operators on a line. Now, first of all, let me clarify. I don't even think they're thinking of two operators on the same line. They're not. They're not. Right? They might be going line by line. Yeah. No, the competition there is only in the bidding process. Yeah. By the way. That so, is that yeah. is not hey. going to give you the kind of returns that you want. You want dynamic competition, right? You you have to compete day by day, not now, just at the point of yeah. bidding. Now, once you win the bidding round, you you have yeah. a monopoly. Then I guess if they go that way, it's not going to be that effective, right? But uh, then uh, pricing and all becomes a very you can just set prices. Yeah. You that's, can fix prices. That That's exactly what's going to happen. I mean, the way it is, is that there will be competition at the bidding level. Once you win the bid and the contract, then you have monopoly over that line, uh, which again leads to some of the same problems that the yeah, Indian will have interline competition. But yeah. I don't know whether it's it makes sense to compete saying that, oh, I'm going to compete with this guy going to Chennai. Uh, my route is going to Mumbai and <laughs> Mumbai and Chennai are not competitions to the same route. Right? Yeah. But I guess the competition will be with the airlines and with the buses and... Yeah. And maybe some will, some people will come up with uh, better facilities, uh, which will compete with the airlines, right? That, yeah, so actually there will be some differentiation. Yeah, actually, it's a good time to think about this because look at the competition, the airline industry, right? It has actually declined, right? After Kingfisher went out and Jet went out, two players, big players have gone yeah. out of the market, right? So there are fewer players. So uh, each uh, player now has significant pricing power, which they didn't have, let's say, 10 years ago. Yeah. So... Bringing in railways which can compete at the lower end for prices is not a bad idea. It's a good time. Okay, one more reform idea within this itself. Uh, I remember you would written or we spoke on this podcast itself earlier about state governments running trains, right? So as a first step, even within the government, is that one idea worth considering Actually, that's, the state government? That's brilliant. Uh, but the challenge is whether there is enough market for state governments to run their own small services. Yeah, I still find it slightly funny that it is the union which sets the roots um, as to and which is more important and so on. I think the state government or probably even at a local level are, are the people who are best equipped to find out which are the two places which uh, requires connectivity of sorts. Yeah, let me just clarify what I meant. My, my point was, uh, does it make sense for a state government to be part of a union government's national network? Or does it make sense for the state government to set up its own network of railways? Okay. In which case, the economics is very different, right? You are talking about a short haul into the intrastate railway network, which it which it controls. So it can determine which routes and where and all of those things. Uh, but being part of an overall union government's network and you're just operating one leg of it, I don't know whether it makes any any substantial difference from, from what it is now. Yeah. But maybe they can, for example, 
maybe bangalore uh, bangalore to mysore or bangalore to mangalore for example karnataka government might want to operate many more trains yeah. compared to what the state go- uh, union government is allowed because of yeah one good way to look at it would be because of the kind of project it is and the political risk involved in building infrastructure of this kind maybe a ppp model where state governments co-invest to build railway lines mm. to places which they want will be a way forward so the railway the state government can say look uh, i want a railway line to direct railway line to mangalore mangalore to mangalore and this is in our interest the union is not interested in this they have the other priorities now it's in our interest to do it now i'll comp- i'll uh, work with you anupam and company on a ppp mm. to lay the line between bangalore and mangalore and then let private operators run this as a separate service right so that's a metro model so metro yes. model being applied to, to an old yeah. thing called railways yeah. Yeah. Okay. So one last point I wanted to discuss on this is remember B- British Airways was earlier it used to be called a pension fund that also runs a few planes, <laughs> right? Yeah. So is that the same thing with Indian Railways also now? And ca- does this have the potential of changing that? I think many uh, PSUs are like uh, that. Exactly that, right? Many PSUs and government departments are like that. Uh, but I think that's some that's a legacy we have to uh, we have to live with. I think more profound lessons come from the privatization of British Rail. Exactly, that's exactly what I was about to say. I have sat and you know actually gone through some of these British uh, this thing. So between two places which are well not the highest traffic, let's say Lancaster and Glasgow, mm-hmm. there are at least two private players. working on the same route and within 15 minutes uh, half an hour one hour within each other and that there is dynamic competition right and so the trains are named differently is it like yeah. it will be anupam train and uh, yeah, there's virgin train. network this okay. uh, northwestern okay. railway etc etc mm. so there are two different companies who are actually but you know in a way look at it this way roads are the same but yeah, you are sharma bus, transport and exactly. durgamba transport yeah. running on the same address. so it's not any different only thing you'll have to ensure is safety that two trains don't collide into each other so that network you'll somehow have to centralize oh, uh, yeah, um, yeah but once you've taken care of that it's Yeah, it's like that, and I think new technologies have come in. You can have uh, trains which are which have intelligence on board to prevent collisions and all that, right? The older days, you had issue of collision because once you are in a train, you don't know who's ahead of you, once who's behind you, right? But today, you have GPS to know where you are. You could uh, share your GPS locations on a network yeah. which others can pick up, and you know you could have on board systems which will prevent uh, collisions. It's not only that the track will provide you the control services, although. track based control is also important yeah. now the challenge with the british rail privatization was this who owns the tracks mm. who owns the trains who operates the services right mm. and how do they each of them interact with each other because if you create a track owner who doesn't have incentives to maintain the tracks because the return on investment is so low and there's no he doesn't see the end customer or whatever then the company might not be motivated enough to look after the tracks so there'll be safety issues or you know upgrade issues and so forth so matching the incentives of the various players who own various bits of the infrastructure and services is extremely critical mm-hmm. in the indian case i mean if we are talking about what the the railway board is talking there's no such grand plan involved the tracks will yeah, remain with the government a uh, lot of other things will remain with yeah, yeah. i just hope that they don't end up with a private sector monopoly on each route because a private sector monopoly is no different from a public sector monopoly yeah. as Probably far as worse. 
Yeah, probably <laughs> was. Yeah. I think the example for that is within the railways itself. The catering services in the railways, no, for example, are given licensed operators, private players, yeah. and it's pathetic even now. It's not changed because there was just the ownership change. Yeah. So these incentives, until and unless we change about competition and contestability, we still end up there. But uh, British Railways, what was the final thing that they? Uh, eventually did like did they give the tracks also to private players and i don't know what the status is right now but there was a famous accident no in i think 2004 or 5 there was a big accident uh, where it was found that the track uh, british rail or whoever was the track operator was not investing enough in upgrading it uh. i don't know what's the latest on that but uh, the lesson from that was that you've got to match the incentives Okay so on that note about the fact that ownership is not the most important thing it's the incentives competition contestability which need to be taken care of with this uh, being said we hope that some good things are on the way towards the railways so thank you for joining in today if you liked our show don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IVM network you can tune into them on the IVM podcast app ivmpodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts you can also follow ivm on social media the handle is at @ivm podcasts on twitter facebook and instagram and hey if you'd like to dive into takshashila's research on technology strategy and economic affairs check us out at our twitter handle at @takshashila inst or our website takshashila.org.in